elated, uh, numb, emotional, exhausted. Finally, getting to come home with their, with their adopted babies. Good news for five BC couples who've been stuck in legal limbo in Japan. They're supposed to notify us when anything that happens. Reports suggesting notorious killer Robert Picton's been moved to a different prison. Strong reaction from his victims' families. Uh, it's been two years in the making. And how a concrete barge from the Second World War is to become a new artificial reef on the Sunshine Coast. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. We start with some breaking news this evening and reports of a possible daylight shooting in Surrey. Details so far that it happened in the Cloverdale neighbourhood of 167A and 183rd. Witnesses have told us that they heard multiple shots being fired and saw first responders, including paramedics, arrive at the scene. No word yet if anyone's been hurt. Of course, we'll bring you more as soon as we hear anything new. In other breaking news just coming in, a paraglider who got stuck in a tree has just been rescued. The female paraglider came down in the Harrison Mills area, somehow ended up getting caught in a tree at around lunchtime. She was dangling for about three hours. Members of Kent and Chilliwack Search and Rescue were able to free her sometime after three. It is believed she has been taken to hospital with minor injuries. Great news for five BC families tonight who are now heading home from Japan with their newly adopted children. They'd been stuck there and able to bring them back to BC because of the Canadian government would not issue visas to the children. But as Nadia Stewart now reports, that all changed late last night. It is the flight Ryan Hogue has waited anxiously to take, where he reunites with his family after weeks of uncertainty. It was just overwhelming. You're f finishing a, a battle you didn't know when was going to end. For Hogue and his wife, the battle began about eight weeks ago. They were approved by both the BC and Japanese government to adopt their baby girl. So this here is the baby's nursery. But when it came time to bring her We're home, the Canadian go. government got, uh, wouldn't a issue a visa, saying Japanese officials stayed. told the American government that under Japanese law, the courts had to authorize the adoption. There's been no complaint on the Japanese side about anything that occurred here. This is entirely initiated from North America. Despite having two legal opinions saying there was absolutely no issue on the Japanese side, the diplomatic confusion left five B.C. families caught in the middle for over 10 weeks. Then Friday night came the call the family's lawyer had been waiting for. Last night they called the families, issued visas. The only thing we can conclude is that uh, the federal government decided that uh, there was no impediment to issuance of visas, and they were satisfied that the process followed was legal. Stoichevich expects the families will return home with their children in just days. He is still keen on getting to the bottom of what happened here, but Hogue just wants to get on with being a dad. I think there's a lot of a uh, lot of celebrating for uh, five Canadian families in Tokyo last night. So, their uh, their bags are packed. So they're heading to the airports and uh, coming home. Nadia Stewart, Global News. 
A stabbing on Vancouver's downtown east side this morning has left a man in a critical condition. It happened in an alley between Pender and West Hastings. There were bags, food items, uh, blood and needles all visible at the crime scene. Police say a fight broke out just after 11 o'clock this morning in an area where homeless people are known to camp out. The man who was stabbed is believed to be in his 30s. He was rushed to hospital. No arrests have been made, but detectives don't believe the stabbing was random and they say the public is not at risk. And in the Okanagan, officers were called just after 10 o'clock to a stabbing incident at a house party in Lake Country. Dozens of teens were seen pouring out of the house last night. Police say a fight broke out when someone refused to leave the party. The RCMP haven't released any information about the condition of the person who was stabbed or if uh, anybody has been arrested. A BC visit by a 19-year-old woman from France is making international headlines tonight, and it's all for the wrong reasons. Zadella Roman was on holiday and went for a jog along a scenic beach in White Rock, but she accidentally ended up on the U.S. side. As a result, she was detained and held in custody in Tacoma, Washington for two weeks. In the area where Sadella went jogging, there are no signs indicating a person runs the risk of crossing the border. She also had no ID on her. Her mother says she called her hours later in tears. She said, oh yes, there's two men and they want me to go back to France because I'm at the States now. I crossed the border inadvertently, so I don't know what happened. Well, the Canada Border Services Agency says they're not responsible for signage beyond points of entry. An immigration lawyer says it's important to think twice if you plan to be anywhere near the border. It is not supposed to happen without informing victims' families first. But this week, one of BC's most notorious serial killers has been transferred to a prison in Quebec. As Jill Bennett reports, according to family members, his victims found out after the facts. In December of 2007, Robert Pickton was convicted on six counts of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison and had been serving that sentence at the Kent Institution in Agassiz. But the family of one of his victims says he's no longer in B.C. My uh, wife's uh, sister uh, was talking to one of the victim services people there, and they uh, actually told her uh, what had happened. And she looked into it, and sure enough, that he, he was transferred well, be a couple of days ago now to a facility in uh, Quebec. Frey says Picton is now at the maximum security Port Cartier Institution. He questions why he wasn't told of the move. His daughter Marnie's remains were found on the Picton farm in 2002. Her murder led to one of the convictions. He says families are supposed to be notified of any major changes with Picton's incarceration. They're supposed to notify us when anything that happens uh, uh, regarding Picton, Picton and say is, uh, you know, any activities he's doing and whatever, but... Uh, well, we haven't heard a peep out of it, no phone calls, and uh, so it's, it's, you know, we're left in the dark again as usual. Frey also questions why Picton was transferred. He was being bullied, I guess, and uh, apparently they might have some uh, different programs for them. So to me, it's just kind of ridiculous. You know, this, this isn't a summer home or whatever, you know, he's in a facility for a reason. Corrections Canada won't confirm the move. In an email stating due to the Privacy Act, the Correctional Service of Canada cannot comment on a specific case or disclose the location of a federal offender. The safety and security of staff and inmates are paramount when making decisions about inmate accommodation. Transfers are made to manage security requirements within an institution. It is 
important that we are kept, you know, abreast of what he's um, what he's up to and, and when his next uh, court appearance would be, I guess, for any kind of a parole, which I, I don't think he will or should be getting. Picton will now be held in the same prison that has been home to other notorious killers, including Paul Bernardo and Luca Magnata. Jill Bennett, Global News. Today marks a grim anniversary, 33 years to the day since the Air India bombing. Let's take you to a live shot right now. This is uh, Stanley Park tonight, where a candlelight vigil is being held right now to remember the 329 people killed on that day when a bomb destroyed an Air India Flight 182 off the coast of Ireland. 280 of the victims were Canadian. It is Canada's worst terrorist attack. Hours earlier, two baggage handlers at a Japanese airport died in a related explosion. Only one person, Indajit Singh Rayat, was ever convicted in that bombing. In other news tonight, a Victoria chiropractor convicted of sexually assaulting his patients is no longer going to be allowed to practice in BC. Dr. Michael Buna was suspended by the BC College of Chiropractors in January. That was after a complaint. Eleven years ago, Buna was convicted of multiple counts of sexual assault following complaints from 10 female patients. He continued to practice, but was ordered to have a chaperone present for female patients. Earlier this month, the college said Buna admitted to breaching that order by submitting false information. It is alleged that Buna had asked a patient to lie down for him and say a chaperone was always present at her appointments. The college cancelled his registration. He is now not eligible for reinstatement in B.C. The provincial government has established the rules for this fall's referendum on electoral reform. Designated opponent and proponent groups have been chosen and given $500,000 each to get their message out. Now, the vote uh, by mail-in ballot, ballot takes place from October 22nd uh, through to the end of November. It's going to ask citizens two questions about which system they prefer, either the current one or proportional representation. And if PR is adopted, which of the three proposed systems they prefer? Welcome back. Well, BC now has one more artificial reef off its coast. Divers will soon be able to explore a World War II era U.S. Navy barge that was sunk off Powell River. As Kristen Robinson reports, the company Catalyst Paper hopes it will help the city generate tourist dollars and as a diving destination. Hundreds line the shore off Powell River while dozens of boats watch from the water. Uh, it's been two years in the making. Everyone here to witness a Second World War era U.S. Navy barge enter its next life. What we're looking at is Yogan um, going into what is now a virtual desert underwater, where the old wet sort was. BC's nonprofit Artificial Reef Society getting a $500,000 boost from Catalyst Paper in a partnership to sink the Yogan 82 as an artificial reef. What we're doing is creating some you know, additional habitat structure for marine organisms, and we expect to see them start to colonize uh, this structure fairly quickly after. 112 meters long and 4,400 tons, the concrete barge is the first of four vessels to be reefed over the next five years. It, along with nine other ships, was part of the breakwater that protects the Powell River Mills log pond and foreshore. Soon, Emil N. Vidal, Quartz, and S.S. Peralta will join the Yogan 82 in a group formation below the surface. We want to make sure that you know, we're doing something that benefits the environment as well as benefiting the, uh, the community, and that's what we hope to see with increased dive tourism in the area. 
In April 2015, this explosion opened up a new window for divers off the coast of Gambier Island. The warship HMCS Annapolis sinking to its final resting place 35 meters underwater. And artificial reef tourism is thriving off Nanaimo, where three wrecks, including HMCS Saskatchewan, put the city and Vancouver Island on the dive map. It's hoped the Yogan 82 will spark a wave of dive tourism for Powell River. The reef creators promising adventure divers will get a trip back into maritime history. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Now, his jeopardy run may be over, but a, a high school teacher from Surrey and from New, a Surrey high school teacher from New Westminster has won some new fans. What's with all the Canadians on Jeopardy? <laughs> Two of them in one day. Ali Hassan was finally beat on Jeopardy last night. He responded correctly in Final Jeopardy, but didn't risk as much as the second-place player, ending his run at three days and just over 67,000 US. Hassan, who immigrated to Canada from Bahrain, watched the game show as a child and dreamed of meeting Alex Trebek. He currently teaches at Guildford Park Secondary in Surrey, where he uses Jeopardy to keep his students sharp. Also, it is one step closer to becoming an Olympic host city for a second time. The Canadian Olympic Committee voted today to approve Calgary as a potential host for the 2026 Winter Olympics. Now, the city is going to hold a plebiscite to determine whether uh, people in Calgary want the Games back. That will be happening in the next few months. In September of next year, the International Olympic Committee uh, finally decides which city will host the 2026 Games. A nervous time right to the very end for German fans during today's World Cup game against Sweden. Cheers erupting at the Alpen Club on Victoria Drive as fans celebrated the winning shot by the German team. Uh, talk to Barry in a second. Uh, I'm sure he's got highlights coming up. The Germans now probably need only a win over winless South Korea in their final group game to advance. You can answer that right now if you want to. <laughs> Nicely timed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, Germany, uh, I guess, had not, uh, they needed to win this game okay. to have any chance really of going to the next round, the knockout stage. Mm -hmm. Even had they drawn, uh, it didn't look very good for them. So literally their last kick, they won. So as far as drama and, uh, okay. you know, just yeah. sheer excitement, this has been the best match so far. So. Good. We will have highlights of that, as you mentioned. And what else have you And done? also the Whitecaps played. They must be Swedish fans because they, they looked pretty dejected on the pitch today <laughs> in Philadelphia. It was one of their worst games of the year, but yeah. we're going to show it anyway. All right, okay. And Yvonne is back after a nice uh, holiday. A nice vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are happy to see you back. And uh, what's happening out there? It's well, it's been nice. Nice, nice weather to come back to. Uh, some sunshine today to kick off the beginning of our weekend. Uh, we are going to see uh, temperatures on the rise. One more hot day, especially for the interior sections. Here's a glance at some of the current numbers. Mm -hmm. In the interior tomorrow, it'll be back up into the low 30s. But we do have a change on the way. It'll be cooler temperatures. The return for some wet weather. So I'll have the timing coming up shortly. But out of the airport right now, temperature still sitting at around 21 degrees. All right. It was nice today. It was kind of Bearable, wasn't it? Very yeah. pleasant. Yeah, didn't have to look for too much shade. Right. Welcome back. Well, to a tragedy in Montreal now where a six-month-old baby boy has died after his father forgot him in the car while he was at work. Police say the father went to a daycare yesterday afternoon to pick up his son but was told by daycare workers 
that they hadn't seen him all day. That is when the father realised he'd forgotten to drop the baby off and in the morning had left him in the back seat of the car. First responders performed CPR on the child, but he was pronounced dead at the scene. The father was here, the mother came back here after. Uh, we've, we've met with them a little bit, and uh, from there they were rushed to the hospital uh, for a shock. And uh, we'll wait, uh, there's no amount of time in this situation. What I can tell you is that uh, the first responder too that uh, answered that call are, are, pretty, uh, are pretty on shock. No word yet if any charges will be laid. U.S. President Donald Trump was in Nevada today to support Republican candidates for Congress. While the president was taking part in a planned discussion about tax policy, it was illegal immigration and his controversial zero-tolerance policy that was clearly at the forefront. From California to New York, thousands of people marched Saturday in favor of keeping migrant families together after they cross into the U.S., Despite the president signing an executive order Wednesday to end the separating of migrant children from their parents, several government agencies are still scrambling to come up with a plan to reunite about 2,000 children currently being held. We have yet to hear a defined plan of how to connect those uh, young people to their parents and whether and how many parents have been deported out of the country. Two dozen Democratic members of Congress visited a Texas immigrant processing center Saturday. During the visit, protesters temporarily blocked a bus carrying detained immigrants. I saw in these cages was a sea of humanity. Little girls, little boys, fathers holding their daughters, mothers holding their daughters who have fled horrible conditions in other countries. Speaking to Nevada Republicans, the president defended his handling of the border crisis. Our people are actually doing a very good job handling a very difficult situation. But this is a problem that should have been solved years ago. Congress will try to tackle the issue next week, but right now it appears Republicans don't have the votes to pass an immigration bill. Chris Pallone, NBC News. Thousands of protesters marched to Parliament in London this morning to protest Brexit. Today marks two years since 52% of voters cast ballots for the UK to leave the European Union. The protesters are demanding a new referendum. They say uh, there needs to be a comprehensive plan to leave the bloc, and that should be decided by the British people. The country is expected to officially leave the EU next March. The ongoing negotiations have a lot of people worried right now as the economic costs are becoming even more clear. At least one person was killed in an explosion at a massive rally celebrating Ethiopia's new prime minister this morning. More than 150 people have been hurt, at least 10 of them critically. The blast is being called an orchestrated attack on Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed, who had promised sweeping reforms to the country. Witnesses say someone tried to hurl a grenade at Ahmed. A separate attack was also carried out on Zimbabwe's president this morning. That explosion left several people hurt at a campaign rally, including the vice president. A freight train carrying oil tankers from Alberta has derailed in Iowa. 33 cars left the rails outside of Dune early Friday morning. Drone footage shows the extent of the derailment, which is now 
clearly creating a lot of concern, uh, concerns about possible contamination of residential water supplies downstream from where the derailment took place. A spokesperson for the railroad says no one was injured, but some of the tankers were compromised. Oil has leaked into nearby floodwaters and eventually into the rain-swollen Little Rock River. It is still unclear exactly how much oil has leaked out, but officials say that they have started cleaning up. Some good news out of China about a rare kind of panda. Researchers say a rare giant panda subspecies known as chinling is growing. There are now 345 of those pandas in the country, just 60 years after scientists discovered the first one. China is crediting the growth of its panda research and breeding centers for the population increase. Chinling pandas account for a little more than 18% of the total giant panda population in China. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders got the welcome mat pulled from under her feet at a Virginia restaurant last night. Sanders was visiting a place called the Red Hen. It's in Lexington. When the owner of the restaurant asked her to leave because she works for President Trump. Sanders took to Twitter this morning saying, quote, her actions say far more about me, about her than about me. I always do my best to treat people, including those I disagree with, respectfully. The owner, meanwhile, says she made the, quote, uncomfortable decision in order to uphold her values. Anthony Bourdain had no narcotics nor alcohol in his system when he died. A toxicology report has found the chef and travel show host had no trace of any toxins in his body, including prescription medications. The host of CNN's food and travel show, Parts Unknown, was found dead in a French hotel room earlier this month. He had killed himself. Bourdain had been pretty open about his past drug use, saying he had been addicted to heroin and cocaine in the past, but... He was clean by the early 1990s. In Health Matters tonight, an urgent call for you to roll up your sleeves and give blood by Canada Day. We're just asking more people to come out and donate before this summer. Canadian blood services say fewer people donate during the summer months, mostly due to the fact that they're on holiday. That means it's a trying time for the country's blood system. More than 23,000 donors are needed across the country in order to maintain a stable supply. There is enough blood in the system currently. However, we want to replenish our um, blood inventory for the summer months to meet the needs of hospital patients. And there are a number of ways to donate. It's easy and it's safe. You can go online uh, to blood.ca, uh, download the Give Blood app, or you can just call 1-888-2-DONATE uh, to find a location nearest you. The nonprofit also says that they never refuse people who just walk in. Welcome back. Well, it's uh, been a very early start in Kelowna for about 100 cyclists on the 14th annual ride to survive. They are all raising money for the Canadian Cancer Society. Cyclists hitting the road before the break of day this morning. Uh, they're biking across the Coquihalla to Vancouver and they're hoping to arrive before midnight tonight. Uh, by that time, they'll have covered about 400 kilometres through the mountains. Every dollar raised is going straight to the Canadian Cancer Society and and for a lot of riders, this is a cause very close to their hearts. One of our riders from last year went into hospice two days ago. And he's in Penticton. So there's a lot of riders that are feeling that. And that's just, that's just one of the hundreds and hundreds of stories. 
The group is hoping to raise about $600,000. They've raised $7 million since the first Ride to Survive started. Vancouver's False Creek is packed with paddlers this weekend. It is the 30th annual Dragon Boat Festival and North America's most competitive celebration of the ancient sport. This year, 200 teams and about 5,500 competitors are taking part in the event and it all wraps up tomorrow. Well, this is a truly Vancouver event. It's fantastic. It's got people paddling from Vancouver. We've got teams coming from all over the world, actually, this year. Australia, Germany, Phoenix, Arizona. A really interesting group of paddlers. Uh, we've got multicultural entertainment. We've got things happening on the stage for free all day long. We've got races all day long. Sunday is championship race day. The, most of the races started, races started eight. They're all finals. It's very exciting. They're quite close. When we get to Sunday, the races are, are pretty tight. And a very active day in the Lower Mainland. Uh, this is a, a lot of cyclists uh, getting together in Vancouver today for the annual Gear Up for CF. Uh, those taking part uh, will be on a 50 or 100 kilometre challenge or the marathon two-day ride from Vancouver to Manning Park, all for cystic fibrosis research. More than $2 million have been collected since the first uh, Gear Up for CF started 13 years ago. Cystic fibrosis, it's the most common fatal genetic disease impacting Canadians. And with a disease like this, it's not just the person with cystic fibrosis that's impacted. It's their family, their friends, their neighbours. So everyone that's here today does have a personal connection. So it makes uh, the support and the inspiration that much stronger. A lot of people raising money for good causes. And uh, Yvonne, we've certainly had fantastic weather for it today as well. Yeah, great day to be outdoors raising money. Uh, we are going to continue to hang on to sunshine for the beginning of tomorrow, but then a change on the way, and I'll have more in just a moment. Here's a beautiful shot of our current tower cam overlooking English Bay this evening. Temperatures at the airport still sitting at 21 degrees with a southerly wind at 19 kilometers per hour. High today at 21, right where we should be. Average for this time of the year sits at 20. A record on the Almanac, 26 degrees, was set back in 1958. Official sunset this evening will be at 9.22. A few of the end of the numbers across the province today. Lillooette pushing closer to 30 degrees. Revelstoke up to 23. The Peace today at 25. Prince Rupert at 16. And areas near Victoria with a high of 21 degrees. Current temperature, Burnaby sitting at 21. Pitt Meadows, Surrey at 22. Delta currently at 23 degrees. Into the valley and eastern sections for Chilliwack at 21. And current temperature for Abbotsford at 20 degrees. Port Alberni inland for the island at 24. And for the central interior, 24 for Prince George. And your current temperature for Fort Nelson up to 27 degrees. We've had lots of instability over the past few days. We're still tracking the risk of thunderstorms. It'll be for this evening for many spots into the southeastern corners of the province. But the big change on the way will be this next weather maker that is going to push in, targeting the north and central coast as early as the morning hours for tomorrow. And we'll start to see an increase in cloud cover across the south coast. If you do have plans, it'll be sunshine for the morning and increasing cloud cover. And then the moisture is going to push in towards the evening. Most areas, it'll be light rain across Metro Vancouver, but the north and central sections of the island could see that rain as early as the morning hours. And then pushing ahead for the southeastern corners of the province and much of the southern interior, the 
rain will be on your Monday. Long-range forecast, there's a system that is pushing in. The instability or the big change and the drop in temperatures will be on Monday, and we can see that. Tomorrow still into the low 30s and then dropping off to the low 20s for most areas into the interior, and that continues in towards next week. For the piece, tomorrow up to 24 degrees with a chance of showers. Uh, Monday cooling off with only a high of 16. White Horse up to 19 degrees, unsettled both Monday, Tuesday with on and off rainfall. Coastal sections 15 tomorrow, targeting the north and central coast. The rain will be as early as the morning hours. Caribou and central interior up to 22 and then back down to 16 with showers on your Monday. Columbia and Kootenai region, a hot one tomorrow. The UV index at 10 or very high. The Thompson Okanagan will see the rain pushing in by the evening and then continuing unsettled with showers on and off on Monday. Whistler rain developing, similar for Squamish as early as the afternoon. And across the island, it's northern and central sections that will see some rain developing for the morning and then late day across the south coast. It'll be by the evening that we'll start to see some moisture pushing in. It should remain dry on our Monday, but we'll hang on to more cloud cover. A dry start for tomorrow, but then that increase in cloud cover and rain late in the day. Sonia? All right. Thank you very much for that, Yvonne. All right. If you are planning to go to England this summer and heading straight to the pub for a pint, we have to tell you about a bit of a crisis that's going on. A beer shortage is being reported in some places. But what's behind that is another kind of shortage. NBC's Matt Bradley has this story from London. A brewing crisis for British beer. Europe's carbon dioxide, the gas that fuels beer taps and fills beer bellies, is running low. That's put pub managers like Sam Gilderdale under pressure. Stock up while you can, basically. That's what I've been told from my bosses. Five factories that make CO2 gas have shut down for maintenance across Europe, all at the same time. That's left Britain with only one bubble-making plant, just as World Cup season leads to a run on booze. If we're not already out, we're on the verge of being out, which means we, we basically have to stop producing. It's not just beer. Carbon dioxide is an essential ingredient for soft drinks and meatpacking. But if manufacturers are feeling the pinch, the pubs are prepared. According to our research, there should be enough carbon dioxide for the time being, but we're being told to drink as much as we can before it runs out. The Exmouth Arms is armed for a crisis. Are you worried? I think everyone's worried. Like, yes, yeah, you know, it's a very real problem. The pub has a huge CO2 canister in the cellar. And we have an emergency canister on the other side. A backup plan to keep Britain bubbly. Matt Bradley, NBC News, London. God, I miss those pubs. Now, a viral video from Ontario proves it is never too early to get children excited about hockey. This footage was taken in January of last year. It shows a two-year-old practicing his stick handling in his crib. His mum posted the video to social media only this week. It was for Throwback Thursday. And since she's done that, this video has absolutely exploded online. She says her son Eli still plays hockey every day. Day, and that giving him a stick at bedtime was actually a negotiating tactic just to get him to sleep. All right, it is time for sport, of course, with Barry. Mm-hmm. We're going to start soccer, but uh, we'll get to the World Cup. We're yeah. going to start with the Whitecaps. Got to give the local team uh, 
who have first love, of good. course. But we love yes, them. It was not a great day, unfortunately, oh. though. Uh, thanks, Johnny. The World Cup break was not necessarily welcomed by the Whitecaps, who were on a pretty good run, a six-game unbe- unbeaten streak, including back-to-back wins. But they were back at it today on the road in Philadelphia. Now, there is no greater challenge in the MLS than winning three time zones away. And the Caps looked out of sorts from the get-go in this one in Philadelphia. Carl Robinson and the rest of the team with a very long travel day yesterday, and they looked jet-lagged pretty much all day. Brian Rowe, the goalkeeper, forced to make a nice save 10 minutes in. He was very busy. Union back for more. C.J. Sapong from 10 yards out, fires it right at Rowe. Goalkeeping is fine, that's great, but the Union breakthrough in the 24th minute. Czech international Borek Dochkol bends it in with the left foot. No chance for Rowe. 1-0 Philly. The Caps did not even have a shot attempt at goal in the first half. And if that wasn't bad enough, their star, Alfonso Davies, takes this kick to the shin. He was shaken up. He did not return for the second half. Hopefully, that is not a serious injury and just preventative measures to hold them out. Second half, Caps do get a good chance. Jordi Reyna to Nicholas Mesquita right from 10 yards out, but his shot off a defender and wide. That was headed straight in. Later, the Union at another, and it's Boric Dochko again. Again with the left foot, 2-0 Philadelphia. And that was pretty much it. The Whitecaps ended up getting two late red cards. Jordy Reyna had a yellow, and then this silly foul here late in the box. A frustration play. It'll cost him the Caps' next home game on Canada Day against Colorado. They scored two late penalties, did Philadelphia. 4-0 the final. I think the flight home will actually feel longer than the flight there. Well, there have already been some fantastic moments at Russia 2018, but today's last-second win by Germany over Sweden, which in essence kept the defending champs in the tournament, is now at the top of the heap. Sweden had the Germans on the ropes, but Germany showed the heart of a champion, diverting what easily would have been their biggest disaster ever at a World Cup. Germany had advanced to the knockout stage in every World Cup since 1936. After losing to Mexico in their opener, they had to beat Sweden today. But the Swedes strike first. It's Ola Toivonen with a perfect flick over Manuel Neuer. And it was 1-0 for the Swedes. And they were elated. It was almost two. But Neuer makes a fantastic diving save at the end of the first half to keep it 1-0. And that was huge because Germany draws even just three minutes into the second half. Marco Reus, the first German goal of this World Cup, ties it up 1-1. The Germans came at the Swedes in waves after that. All sorts of chances, but couldn't convert. They hit a post. It stayed 1-1 until literally the final kick of the game, and it's a perfect setup. Tony Kroos, it's a magical moment for Germany. The Swedes absolutely heartbroken. A 2-1 German win keeps them alive in the tournament. Germany plays South Korea in their final match. Now, speaking of South Korea, they took on Mexico earlier. Mexico looking to build off that big win over Germany earlier and already up 1-0. It's Javier Hernandez, better known as Chikorito, making it 2-0 Mexico. But Son Hung-min, the Tottenham star, did score a cracker late for South Korea. But Mexico gets its second straight win, two win. They have six points, but still have not clinched a knockout stage spot just yet. Because of that Germany win, they meet Sweden in their 
final match. Belgium and Tunisia, a mismatch on paper, and indeed it was on the pitch as well. Already up 1-0, Belgium makes it 2, Romelu Lukaku making it 2-0 at that point. Just before the half, Lukaku with his second of the match. Such touch by the big man. Fourth of the World Cup to tie Ronaldo for the lead. 3-1 Belgium at the half. And in the second half, Aiden Hazard showing his quality. Great control on the long ball and then the finish. His second of the day. The Belgians are explosive. 5-2 the final. They have six points and are pretty much guaranteed to move on to the knockout stage. All right, football over here, CFL style. Week two concluding tonight, Grey Cup rematch between the Argos and Stamps. First quarter, Bo Levi Mitchell to Davaris Daniels. He won't be caught, a 39-yard touchdown. Stamps jump out quickly, 10-0. Second quarter, Mitchell going for more, and he will connect with Eric Rogers for the 18-yard touchdown. 17-0 Stamps. They led 20-1 at the half, and they really put the pedal down in the third. Mitchell and Rogers hook up one more time. Rogers in double coverage, comes down with it. A 59-yard gain, and that sets up another touchdown, and why not? Mitchell going to Rogers one more time. A 10-yard touchdown, 27-1 at that point. No Argo comeback this time around like there was in the Grey Cup. It is now... 41-7 in the fourth. The Lions, by the way, had the bye this week. They're back in action next Friday in Edmonton. Welcome back. Well, the Canucks seemed intent on bolstering their blue line at the NHL draft. Yesterday, they snagged arguably the second-best defenseman available when Quinn Hughes fell in their lap at the seventh pick, and they made five more selections today. Three defensemen, two forwards, and one goalie. And today, with their second pick, they reached into the Western League and selected Moose Jaw Warriors defenseman Jet Wu great name and a pretty good player by all accounts. Wu was born in Winnipeg. He's a right-handed defenseman who's good in his own end and can handle the puck and chip uh, chip in offensively. He had uh, nine goals, 16 assists this year in just 44 games. A decent all-around game. Can move the puck, which is a must to play in the NHL. The only concern might be staying healthy. He did miss 28 of 72 games with upper body injuries, but he said dealing with that made him stronger. It was difficult, and uh, you know, I'm not afraid to say that. And, and but one thing that came out of it is that I had a great team and a great organization. You know, the Musha Warriors with me, and to I guess get me through that, and to um, best make me I guess ready for the games that I was going to be able to play, and to go into playoffs, and to uh, you know play my best there was something that I was pretty proud of. And other notes from the draft, three Vancouver Giants were chosen. Forward Milos Roman by the Flames in the fourth round. Goalie David Tendek in the sixth by Arizona. And defenseman Alex Canock leipert by Washington, also in the sixth round. And seven BCHL players were chosen. Penticton defenseman Johnny Tachanik led the way, taken by Ottawa in the second round, 48th overall. And Ilya Kovalchuk is officially back in the NHL. The former Devil Thrasher sniper signing in L.A. today with the goal-starved Kings. Kovalchuk cashed into the tune of $18.75 million on a three-year deal. He is 35 years old, played the past five years in the KHL where he won the scoring title last year. But obviously he can still be a difference maker in the NHL. The Kings are sure hoping so. And the Flames and Hurricanes made a significant deal. Calgary shipping defenseman Dougie Hamilton and tough forward Michael Furlong along with the NCAA player Adam Fox to Carolina. 
coming the Flames way. Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin. Calgary looking to change the dynamic after a very disappointing season where they missed the playoffs. And we'll finish up with the third round of the Travelers Championship from Connecticut. James Hahn, tee shot on the par 311th. Now we do see aces periodically, but not many of them on the fly. Han with the slam dunk from 158 yards out, shot a 629 on the back, and he's at 600 for the tournament. He's in 22nd place. JB Holmes on the 14th, second shot on the par four, and he too will not require his putter for this hole from 143 yards out. It's in for an eagle. Holmes in third place at 11 under. Englishman Paul Casey made more big shots than anyone today. He drove the short par four and then from 23 feet knocks that in for an eagle two. And then on 18, Casey with the approach shot. And this is beautifully judged to three feet. And that would be a birdie. It put the capper on an eight under 62 for Casey's at 16 under. He's got a four shot lead. Adam Hadwin struggled three over 73, even for the tournament. Now 16 back of Casey will have the final round on global tomorrow at 1230. All right. Finally tonight, I want to tell you about a 12 year old boy from a Montreal suburb who's been called a basketball wonder. He's still very young, but it's his talent and how tall he is already that have got a lot of people talking. To say he's an imposing presence in the middle is a bit of an understatement. And if you think he's playing with kids, you'd be right, because he's only 12 years old himself. When you meet Olivier Ryu, you first notice the size of his feet. Your eyes keep going up and up and up. He already stands six foot ten, and he's already getting attention from around the world. Just ask his dad. Yes, uh, I would say a bit too much. It's like everybody wants me to be the new friend on Facebook and things like that. A YouTube video of him dunking on players his own age in Spain using a smaller ball and a lower hoop has taken the internet by storm. And while it's something he says is amusing, two-time NBA MVP Steph Curry has already tweeted about it. Notice Olivier describes simply as Amazing. This kind of exposure is a lot for anyone, let alone someone who hasn't even begun secondary school yet. I, I think he is understanding all the attention that he's getting, but at the same time it's not changing him as a person. Sheldon Lewis sees potential here on the court, a unique opportunity to mold a player with rare dimensions to possess extraordinary skills. But priorities are still priorities. We want to make sure that his focus is school and basketball comes later. Many parents project their own ambitions onto their children, but not Jean-Francois Rieu. The main thing is for Olivier, I don't want to choose for him. I really want him to choose the path he wants. Olivier is already talking about the possibility of playing in the NCAA or beyond that. And he'll likely keep growing, if you can believe that, and he'll have support. I will be there for him all the way through all the social media or anything, but he will be the one choosing. For now, his family says he needs to concentrate mostly on being a 12-year-old. Billy Shields, Global News. Montreal. Great. I bet those kids love being on his team. Right? He does yeah, stick out on the team photo for sure. It's hard to hide when you're 6'10, but well, I'm sure we'll hear about him. Thank you very much for watching. Have a great evening. We'll see you back tonight at 11. Good night.